All right. Well, welcome to another edition of New Wine Uncorked, and we are stoked that you're here to join us. It's been quite a fun, rough ride this morning, you know, technology-wise. Uh, that's just how it is, and I think that's probably how a lot of people are experiencing um, the internet these days with, uh, you know, and just how everything happens uh, in 2022, same thing with 2021, we'll just blame it on COVID. So uh, somehow or another, that's how the technology, but hey, the fact is, is that we're able to do this and we're coming to you live on Facebook right now. So thanks for joining us on Facebook for those of you who are joining us. And then for those um, that might be, this is a couple of days later, maybe this is Monday or Tuesday of next week, because now you're watching it on uh, our YouTube channel because after we go live on Facebook, then our videos get posted on our YouTube page so that you can stay connected to the things that New Wine are doing, um, whether it's online or in the local area of Portland and around the nation. And so we're stoked that you're joining us again Friday morning. And we've been talking about, I mean, this has kind of been a, an ongoing thing. I mean, especially with New Wine, our talk is always going to be of the happenings of this God who has chosen to enter into humanity, you know, and it comes from uh, the one line uh, or the one quotation from To Kill a Mockingbird that always, uh, whenever I start talking about the incarnation is when the dad is talking to the daughter about why he is uh, defending a black man in the 60s and the deep south and and uh, he said he tells his daughter that you have to step into a person's skin before you can ever really understand them and however that's possible that's really what this God did and that's what we celebrate at Christmas and then uh, we were talking about this last week even this thing called epiphany but this continual manifestation this continual revealing of what this God this Christian God does uh, with its creation. And so not only does this God reveal himself to the creation, but actually God steps down from heaven and steps into the skin of the human. And so this is this wonderful truth of the Christian faith that we say there has to be mystery, because when you start talking about the Christian God, you talk about three persons, father, son, and spirit that are all one God, one being. And so today we're going to continue to step into that last week. Um, as we were talking, you know, and it was a, it was cool that we got a chance to continue and we talked a little bit about epiphany and we talked about how God continues to reveal himself and we want to continue with this. Uh, the title of today's is Trinitarian Soundings, you know, the God of relationship and then over the next few weeks, uh, we want to step into well, what does that mean and get into then maybe next week or the week after depending on how far we get with today is well what does this mean this god of relationship and the promises that god has given to the create to creation and so when i talk about like a, a god of relationship you know phil you the work that you're doing with um the shelter and your pastoral work as well as your doctoral uh studies Jim, you have a pastor background as well as your studies in the uh, academy. And Kaylee, you're doing psychology. And so you meet with people. When I say this God is a relational God, com compared to all the other thoughts and philosophies and even other gods, Mormon God, the Jewish God, the, the Muslim God, there's just a oneness there. There's not a relational truth to the to the being of God. So when I say that this Christian God is relational and we are created in a relational image for you and your work, each one of you, what does that mean? Like, is that a profound statement for us to say that we are created in the image of a relational God? And if it's profound, why? 
so um maybe not from a pastoral and eh, maybe it is pastoral but i don't know but from an indigenous you know standpoint i think um you know i think indigenous people native hawaiians recognize the relationalness of god and creation right and so we had you know we had a relationship not you know not understanding who that that um that god like took on our skin but that he was he was present um, through creation, and so you know, um, so there is that relationship. I mean, God does want to have a relationship with us, and it's not necessarily through the Bible. <laughs> so, and don't you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to say that you know the Bible, but you know, I think like when the missionaries came, there's kind of this idea like, oh, we have the Bible, so we brought God with us, and so then they start you know sharing about God because God brought the Bible. But you know, in reality, there was a lot of things that. Um, that we practice. I mean, like in a lot of cultures and indigenous cultures, uh, Hispanic cultures, um, hospitality, right? I mean, hospitality is like big, um, you know, sharing meals and, and being together. And so, I mean, that's, you know, that's what Jesus did. I mean, that's the relational aspect of it. So I think, you know, and sometimes I even, you know, maybe get myself in trouble by saying this, but you know, which came first, the creator or the Bible, right? I mean, but, but I think that because with, um, whether it be Native Americans, Native Hawaiians, Native Alaskans, um, God revealed himself through creation. I mean, we see that throughout the Psalms. And so, you know, God is, you know, God is relational. Um, and, and I don't want to be, um, an, you know, an animist, right, about it. But I think that God does speak and reveal himself to us. And that, you know, as we read the scriptures, as our people, you know, as my, as the Native Hawaiians started to read the scriptures, they're like, Oh, of course, you know, this is what we do, <laughs> you know, or, and, but then again, you know, the scriptures also, you know, we were corrected on a lot of things as well, but, but I think that, that God does communicate with us. Um, and I think sometimes that we need to realize that the God is working in other people's lives. Um, and I think that's the important thing about new, you know, new wine, new wineskins is that just because we have a title that, you know, says we are, you know, Buddhists or, you know, whatever, you know what the reality is, is God is communicating with them. God is communicating with them. And so I think walking with that premise that God has revealed himself to a certain extent to that person. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely believe that God, you know, communicates um, and, and it's an opportunity for us to, um, I guess, take up the invitation. And I think also um, in just the way we share, where we share our beliefs and the like, um, they're, they're shared relationally. I mean, what I mean by that is, is we have a true, a fuller understanding of God, not when we're looking at a bunch of books, but when we're talking about our experience and our testimony and how God has impacted our lives. And I mean, no matter, I mean, I'm reading a book right now by William Lane Craig called On Guard. It's like an introductory book on apologetics and the like. The first chapter he tells his personal salvation story. <laughs> because because it's not about philosophical understanding it's about how i related to god and how he became real in my life and then your studies on apologetics and how you get stronger in defending your faith is more affirming your faith in your own heart um at least that's the way i look at it um and as i really i really have a tough time thinking i can convince someone into coming to faith of christ by telling them about philosophical understanding but just showing them how god has shown up in my life and then showing them how god is showing up in their life so just as you mentioned jim um god has revealed himself to all of us and it's on i believe it's on us as believers to show people how god is showing up in their life i think that's a real apologetic a way that we can show people who this god who continues to reveal himself yeah, I, I just had, I work um, 
at a private practice and we just had a meeting, a staff meeting, and we we're talking about um, how relationship and connection works uh, with virtual settings because it is harder. And one of the things with psychology and therapy specifically um, is that need for connection. You have to connect with your client, you have to connect. And that starts with you know building that relationship. You can't even get anything done um, without establishing that connection and building that relationship with that person. And so, and that's exactly the same thing with whatever setting we're talking about, especially with faith. Like the, the most important thing is, hey, here's, here's just how God has shown up in my life. This is, this is how I know him. This is how I've been able to see him. And I don't know if it will be exactly the same for you, but these are just some of the things that I've experienced uh, after saying yes to Jesus and stepping into this, this thing called faith. Um, and from there, we're able to learn and grow together and understand like better, you know, the passages and the things that we are reading in scripture, we're able to understand those things on a deeper level because of the other, because of one another, as we dialogue and connect. And those things don't happen without that connection. Uh, you know, because we all have different perspectives and that's a beautiful thing to be able to dive into. And that starts with conversation, that starts with connection. Yeah, it's, an inter it's interesting with the, the relational aspect of our humanness, how you see just with anything, um, how it can be used for good. But then also we're watching play out right now within the political scene, how relational truth is used to handcuff and hold others uh, in, you know, in prison almost. It's like, you know, well, if you don't do this for me, then this relational truth that I have, you know, I'm not going to use it or call it in to help you out. And so we're watching these politicians in I don't know what it is, but usually, well, most of the time, all the time, when people play games with relationship, it's other people who get hurt, you know, and it's like the thing with, um, with schools nowadays, you know, I'm, I have to admit that uh, with the COVID thing going on, I'm, I'm happy that not happy. I'm glad that, or however adjective you want to use that I don't have kids in elementary and high school where we would have to wrestle with this because I'm not sure I want to use my kids. I would want to use my kids as guinea pigs, you know, sending them in and saying, hey, we'll just, you know, it's not as bad now. And the Omicron, whatever we feel about it. But I'm not the one putting myself at risk every day. It's like my kids going in there. And I'm not sure if I was, I, I, I just am thankful that I don't have that daily, you know, choice to make because my kids are older. I just don't know what I would be doing. And yet we, we, we don't take into account that relational truth. Like um, for clubhouse, you know, new wine's been on, on clubhouse, the, the mobile app for clubhouse. So for anyone who like, let's say, you know, you're just not as coordinated as, as Jim and you can't organize uh, taking the new wine uncorked, you know, in the car or anything like that clubhouse allows for it to be a mobile. So there's no camera, right. Uh, uh, is, so if you're not as maybe vain as the four of us, we like seeing ourselves, you know, whatever, but you could join clubhouse. And part of the conversation that we've been talking about, uh, last week, and we're going to talk about this week is, is what is Trinitarian theology in the core of that is relational truth. Right. And it's interesting how we, we use 
the person in front of us when we want something. And so often as a Christian, though, I then wrap that in the Christian bow by saying, oh, but I'm ministering to this person because what I'm doing and by bringing them in, I'm helping them and never recognizing that, yeah, I'm helping them only because they, I can get something from them, you know? And so it's really, I think when we talk about relationality too, we have to come to maybe an, uh, and honesty with myself and saying, yes, I am relational, but how often do I use the relationality then to exploit the person in front of me to use them and for my own advantage and benefit and not for their sake, you know? And so how do we do, you know, how do we not take advantage of one another and yet still inter interact with each other to where, I don't know, sometimes I feel like we don't use Jesus enough. And I know that sounds weird. It's kind of like one of your statements, Jim, where you're like, oh, I'm going to get myself into trouble by saying this, but don't, I wonder if Jesus is like, why don't you lean into me, exploit me, use me, use my strengths and my power so that when you think that you can't do it, you go, I know I can't do it. So I have to rely on Jesus. Whatever we want to say, use or rely. I think sometimes in the American mindset to say that I need Jesus is just a statement of weakness. And we see this playing out, you know, and so how do we overcome that though? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, using, um, because one of the things, you know, because, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you have so many churches that, you know, you have the, um, you know, kind of Christian nationalism and all that, and, you know, and all these other pieces. And I guess one of the misuses I really struggle with, I think sometimes, is when people will say, oh, thus saith the Lord, right? Or the Holy Spirit told me this, or God told me this, and I'm telling this to you. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, that. That becomes dangerous. You know, I mean, it, you know, because again, it gets back to the relational piece, right? I mean, I think God speaks communally. You know, God speaks through, you know, through everyone. Um, sure, there's a responsibility as pastors to lead, but, you know, to say, oh, you know, this is what you need to do because the Holy Spirit told me, I think that that becomes, I mean, is that relational or is that kind of more, you know, authoritarian? And yet there's a truth to the, to the Holy Spirit talking to people, right? Like, and so that's the discernment. And that's where I think the, the communal aspect that we're just not used to in, um, and, and I don't know, cause I don't have the experience other than in Scotland where they were much more communal in the sense of it's about like where you would go out and, in and, and granted the area that we were in St. Andrews is a small town. Um, but when you'd be out and if you would be walking on the street and you would see someone it, near them, it would be quite uh, normal for them to say, hey, let's pop into the pub, let's go into the, or if they live near, let's go sit down and chat. And so there was always this like intentionality of communal aspect, um, but it was a slower pace too, you know? And so there was a recognition of our relationality, but even still, it was still a little bit coarse. It still was a coarse relationality. And so I think that, you know, that communal aspect, we all understand it, you know? And so the, the, the speaking of the spirit is a real thing, but you can't understand that. I, I don't think just like when we start talking about the spiritual gifts and tongues, there's always a communal aspect to it. It's never in isolation. So I agree with you, Jim, like it is a dangerous thing for, I feel like if the spirit spoke to me, I would have to have angels appearing just like Joseph and Mary for me to believe it, you know? Like, I don't know, like, because how do you discern that the spirit spoke to me when, and maybe people have heard the voice of God, you know, and I think part of the problem is, is we don't have dialogue like this. 
to talk, well, what does it mean for the Lord to speak, you know? Yeah, because I, I mean, you bring up a great point because, you know, there are people in my life where I will say, hey, can you help me seek discernment, right? I mean, you know, I mean, basically I'm asking them for wisdom, and you know, but I think it is in that communal respect, you know, it is in that situation. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've had, um, I remember a friend of mine said, you know, somebody came up to them and said, you know, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, right? And, and, and his response was, Oh, so does like the Holy Spirit like to gossip because I haven't heard that yet, you know? And so, but I love that, you know, yeah, that communal aspect. I think it is that slowing down or, or it, it's relational again, right? It's, it's yeah. building relationships with people, not only people that you agree with, but people that are going to be honest with you and that, you know, that for you, that they, they are respected for the faith that they have and, you know, the struggles they face as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm one of those that definitely believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us individually and gives us words on behalf of other people and the like. Um, uh, but at the same token, yeah, I recognize that sometimes it can feel that can feel dangerous, that can feel odd. And sometimes people use that as a guise to um, just be as mean as possible. So, so um, I typically try to there's there's kind of a couple of ways that I kind of frame um, when I'm when I'm using that, especially when I talk to my guys at, at, at the job. Um, I definitely I tell them to um, listen to the scriptures. And when I say listen to the scriptures, it's not necessarily just getting quotes from different passages, but recognizing how God deals with people. So the way God dealt with Moses different than the way God dealt with David and the other people that we meet, particularly in the Old Testament, but just get a feel for how God deals with people, how God, how just God works in the lives of people. But then, um, and then second thing would be just listening carefully. Um, just to what you feel the Holy Spirit's, I think, just as we're talking about the season of Epiphany, that um, God continues to reveal himself. And I think that at times, yeah, through the Holy Spirit, we hear word, we hear things um, that benefit our lives, that help us grow and mature in relationship with Christ and help others as well. Um, but the third thing is what Jim brought up, the communal thing. Um, when when I feel that the Holy Spirit has, has shared something with me, I like to go to the my community to affirm that word. Um, to, to affirm and confirm that word. So it's not just a thing where I'm hearing it and the Lord has spoken to me and I'm now, everything comes out of my mouth is scripture. No, everything that comes out of my, that I end up hearing the Lord say, I end up bringing to my community to affirm what's going on and what I'm hearing. So I truly, I, I think it's a thing that, that we need to practice within the church too, because I think that we get into a notion where we grow in faith, and this, I think, brings up your idea, um, Matt, where um, how do we break out of not leaning into God and not leaning into Christ fully is that we think that we can think at times that God working through me, this vertical relationship is all there is, but we have the horizontal relationship among other believers. And I think when we don't lean into relationally our other brothers and sisters in Christ, we it hinders our growth. We don't see God more fully. We don't understand him. Therefore, we can't lean into him. So that becomes that becomes a thing too, and I think I mean Jim, you brought up Christian nationalism and just thinking of the various ways that our church is is just divided right now. It's obvious that we're not leaning into Christ because we don't even look at our own brother and see the Christ that's in him, maturing mm. and growing in him as well. So yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, it's interesting that we're talking about this because actually the other day, um, Sarah, who you just saw walk behind me uh she she texted me about a dream she had and she has been praying she said this has been one of her prayers for the last like 
two years is to have God speak to her in some way, um, to just hear God, however that is. And, and a week ago, she had this dream where it was like just a reciting almost of Psalm 23. And it was just the whole night, like reciting in, and it was a weird, like, cause it's not really a dream, but so she woke up and she's like, and I've read this Psalm before, like, but not the whole thing. And now I know the whole thing. And I don't know why I know this. Like, I don't know why, why do I need to know this? Like, is there a reason for this? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you, you need it for, you know, something that's coming up, or maybe it's just like, Hey, I'm answering your prayer. Like I spoke to you and now you have this piece of my word hidden in your heart. And, you know, you have this piece of of me now. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's a specific reason or, you know, and she's like, yeah, I've been getting all these things of like, be still and know I'm God and don't be anxious, but pray about everything. And here I am human, like anxious about why God's showing up in my dream. Like I can't just accept the fact that he answered my prayer. But I think that that is so often what we do. Like the spirit speaking to us through someone or revealing himself to us in some way. And we're like, but why, what does it mean? How, how, how can I go out and use this? And it's become still so much about us that we forget to just sit back and be like, whoa, like you just revealed, like you're, you're moving, you're doing something, you're revealing yourself and um, you're going to continue revealing yourself. And I think that we do need that, that piece of other people to, to turn to our neighbor and be like, Hey, what, what do you think of this? Like, what do you, what do you think this means or why so that we can get that reminder of God's going to use you guys going to, you know, just another voice to balance um, our thoughts on that because without that, then we, we turn inward and we focus too much on ourselves and we make it about us and we don't allow the spirit to work on our hearts and to grow us. Yeah. And I think uh, we have to be, you know, part of the thing of seeing, or hearing the Lord is an openness, you know, um, philosophers and theologians throughout uh, the course of history have talked about this, um, this openness to the being of God, but then openness to the mystery of God And in our culture. And I'm not sure if it's a 21st century, so it's across the globe. Um, but I mean, we're starting to see, and you see why we, why humans get uh, so anxious about not knowing, because with COVID, we just don't know. You know, every time we turn around, it feels like there's something new, and, and we just feel like we're in this abyss of trying to catch up. And I think that's how a lot of people feel with the, this God of creation, you know, because this God seems so big. In fact, the God should be big if he created all things, right? And so I think sometimes that's just overwhelming. And then when we talk about the mystery, the mystery of this virgin, because all of us know a 13 or 14 year old uh, girl and a 13, you know, maybe 15, 17 year old, 17, 18 year old boy. Could you imagine taking these two and saying, we're going to put the whole hope of humanity 
on your shoulders. And so, hey, by the way, for the next year and a half, while you're trying to stay alive, you know, just eating stuff, you also have to protect your son who's got a death warrant because this king's going to, I mean, so that's the story. And to me, that seems, it's, that's crazier to me than going and someone sitting for, you know, nine hours watching all the, the Hobbit movies, right? Like the craziness of the, this gospel story, I'm like, well, it's no wonder people like wrestle with this because we, especially me, I have trouble with mystery. Like I, like on my runs, when I come around a bend or something, I am always like, I'm running side like this because I want to see what's around the corner. You know, I appreciate those turns where we've got a mirror, you know, on our path where you can see it's like one of those funky mirrors, you know, because I want to see. So when someone tells me, oh, hey, by the way, this God wants you to be in a relationship, but you're not going to know everything about this person that you're going to be in a relationship with. Like if you came to me, Jim, and you're like, Hey, I want you to meet this person. They're great. Awesome. But as you get to know them, you're not going to know everything about them. So there's always going to be this sense of like not knowing, but I want you to trust them. I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. You know, if I don't know something, then maybe I'm not going to put full. And yet that's what we ask people to do with this God of all creation. And not only that, we, we, we let them know because scriptures clearly states it that this God is love. And you're like, huh, what does that mean? Because then I'm supposed to be as this God is. And so it's just, it is, it's, it, the, the relational truth is hard because I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, my, the relational aspect is the hardest thing. I just wish I could, I wish sometimes I could disconnect and isolate and not have to deal with people other than the people that I handpick and choose to deal with, you know, that's not who Jesus is. And so I think the relational truth of Jesus sometimes is so overwhelming that we need community to talk out, well, wait, what do you think about this? You know, how is it that this God could be perfect if he's truly human? Isn't sin a part of being human? Because unless today, do you either any one of you three think that you could go today without sinning? You know, it's like, so I don't know. Or does that say something more about us? Because we just said that we kind of believe in the spirit talking to us, but we don't really. So is it the spirit who leads us each day that if we truly were speaking with the spirit, we could live a day without sin? Like, I don't know, like, but we don't even communal communally discuss this stuff because I think it's overwhelming, you know? Also, just the, the point you brought up there. I mean, can does any of us think we go a day without sitting, without crossing a line, without, um, I don't know, um, what's the word, grieving the Holy Spirit? That's, that mm. is, right? Um, admitting to that to other people is something you don't want to do, right? <laughs> so we have we have that problem where where it's like we want we want to give the facade that we that yeah man you know i i walk uprightly all the time i'm just using all these old king james phrases <laughs> um, but i up, walk uprightly all the time i do all the things everything i do pleases god all the time when reality no we're going through a process where we're all as god is revealing ourselves more and more revealing himself more and more to us, we are becoming more and more like him. And that process is a process that happens, that I believe happens through the church, Allah, through community. So, so therefore, yeah, we're going to have to talk to one another about how we're growing without just selecting the group of people that we like, because there's people well outside of our circle that's going to help us grow and learn more things um, about who God is and how we relate to him and how we lean into him 
who he is. But we have to go outside of our circle because I like bringing this up all the time. You didn't select your family. You were born into a family. The same thing happens with the church. You're born into a family. You have no control over who's in that family, but everyone in that family pours in and helps you grow into who we're trying to become, so. Yeah, I know, uh, I know I've talked about pregnancy a lot, but that's kind of the phase that I'm in right now. Um, and uh, this, this pregnancy though has allowed me to really, um, live that out there's I can be sitting in a room alone and I I am not alone um I have this other person inside me and we get to deal with uh whatever together um and so far that whatever has been a whole lot of nausea and um throwing up and I am like okay we are in this together but we gotta get through this I don't know but um, overall, I think this experience has shown me like, I, I can't do this by myself. Um, I, I don't know why I experience things each day, but I do know for sure that I need other people. I need a community. I need um, other women who have had these experiences. I need their wisdom. And like, is this normal? Like, how, did you experience this? What did you go through? I ask, I think every time I see my mom, I have like at least three questions for her. Like, what, how was it for you? Um, because I don't want to be alone in this, you know? And, and I don't know how single parents do it, but I know that they probably especially need community and support. And I need my husband for support and community. I need my family. I need my friends. So that is the overall like lesson that I am learning is as much as I don't like people sometimes, um, I cannot be alone. Um, and I don't want to be when it comes down to it. I want to be with other people. I need to be with other people in relationship and to be able to function and grow and learn. Um, I need other people. <laughs> And actually, the example you just brought up, Kayla, is, is interesting. You brought up, okay, how do single parents do it? Um, we may think, I mean, I think God. I mean, whether or not they recognize it or not, whether or not they're a believer or not, yeah, God. And, and that's the part of the thing. But I think the bigger point that you brought up and that you're, you're experiencing now is that we all are in need. And mm -hmm. we think that we're not in need is where we're thinking, I don't need to lean into God because I got this. When in all actuality, you don't have anything. <laughs> you know, all that you have is what God has given you, even the support and help and even the means to get the support and help. All that stuff comes from God. So that that recognition, that's part of the epiphany and growing into understanding that, yeah, we we don't have anything outside of what God has given us when it becomes strength or means or whatever it is. All this comes from God. Mm. Yeah. And again, Kayla, you brought up a good point. <laughs> so, <laughs> building upon it, you know, as you're talking about, you know, I mean, you talk about the beauty of, you know, your pregnancy. I mean, you know, just that, I mean, the experience, you can openly share it and, you know, and really kind of the ups and downs. And let me just say this, I'm not driving right now. I'm just like, my wife is driving. So you're kind of wondering, after things are behind you, I'm not driving. So You could be in England on the other side of the car. So it looks like well, you're driving. Well, I'm not. You know, first I thought maybe I'll just tell them I've got one of those self-driving cars, but then I know people would start calling in because they, you know, 
Um, but you know, I mean, I think, and, and also this, you know, you brought this up, Matt, so it's kind of like this father and daughter tag team, but you know, I think part of it is, you know, pregnancy is a beautiful thing. I mean, a new life and all that. And so, you know, the fact that Kayla can share that and share her experience and say, you know, I need community, but also, you know, I think of people that, you know, where they're placed in a situation where their pregnancy is a shame, right? I mean, they're, they're shamed for it. And so they're, you know, so they're, they don't have that ability to share, um, you know, their, about their pregnancy, whether they want to or not. And maybe they want to, you know, maybe they want to be, or, or even to be able to say, you know, I, this is really hard, you know, you know, just finding that connection like Kayla's talking about, but because, you know, this idea of shame and people feel shame or they're afraid they're going to be shamed, you know, and, and sadly, a lot of it has been the church that has shamed, you know, people like that. And so, um, yeah, you know, and I just think, again, it gets just back to that need. So how badly are we willing to reach out to somebody? Um, you know, are we willing to look past, you know, maybe their own quote mistakes, you know, maybe their own indecision or maybe, you know, or maybe just maybe a better word is just their own situation. Yeah. And are we willing to embrace them and say, you know what, um, you know what, I've got, I've got my stuff too. And so, you know what, if you, if you need a place just to be able to, you know, rest your head or, or find, or be able to share your story, yeah. you know, we're here to, you know, we're here to um, um, find joy in your experience. So. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing, um, Jim, that, that you bring up, you know, about finding joy, like not, uh, pointing the finger, Jesus at the well never asked the woman why, why, why did you, you know, why five times, like why this? What he does is he's almost asking, what is it holding you back from knowing and loving me? Because I fully embrace you, and I think that's what he do does to all of us is ask, why is it that you think I'm coming to you to judge, right? Because what I find myself doing is I project onto Jesus what I do to you, Phil, to you, Kayla, to you, Jim, you know, when I come to people in my life, I have to admit that sometimes the first thought that I have is not embrace them in love. It's, oh, look at the, you know, in some sort of kind of like criticizing or judgment. And I might not ever speak it, but the fact is, is that that's occupying some space within my heart and my mind. Whereas Jesus, when he comes and embraces us, regardless of our situation, his is a full-on embrace of love, first and foremost. And I think that's what tweaks with a lot of us. Because like even in the pregnancy, like Kayla's talking, she could say that I have this thing in me that's leeching off of me, right? Because theoretically, the, the person within her is offering nothing to her own you know, growth right now, other than the fact that she can say, hey, I'm about to put on some weight. I'm going to expand physically, you know, and I guess I'm learning how to deal with uh, some perseverance because every morning this thing within me, since it's been in within me, I just do nothing but throw up, you know? So it's like, that doesn't seem like a relational goodness. And yet that's not how Kayla described it, you know? And so I think, again, it's our perspective. It's like, well, where is my heart at? I don't know how we can, um, and this is the thing with Christians, I think we tended to, we talk about a lot about Jesus, but we ignore him because uh, in talking about him, we don't step into the truth of who he is. Take this attitude, have this attitude within you. Like, what if I lived out the truth of Christ relating to me and I just turned and related to you, how he relates to me? Wow, I would have to change quite a bit of my own thinking and thought process, you know, because I'm sorry, but for me personally, and I have to repent of this on a daily basis that I tend to think 
of people using me and within me, like sometimes like leeches, oh, what do they want from me now, right? Whereas if, if I embraced it like the baby within Kayla and saying, oh my gosh, look at what I'm doing. Every time someone asks me to help them, I'm being used by God and God's stretching me and expanding my own uh, um, realm of what it means to be created in his image. But I don't, I tend to think, oh, look at, look at, they want to, you know, I'm as if I'm like this, you know, this crazy uh, thing that's just a high priority for everyone to, to need. And I, I, I put myself up on a pedestal. It's like, but Jesus never did that. And yet he asked us, have this attitude, you know, Paul hammers it, have this attitude within you that was in Christ Jesus. And so often he was silent and just simply served. And I just like, that's the thing I have is like, oh my gosh, wait, you want me to serve without like someone hearing my opinion? You know what, Kayla, though, I think if, if the child that's living within you is living in your basement when they're like 30 years old, I think you can call them a leech at that point. So just, just Maybe, say that. Right? Um, you know, Matt, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, depends what they're doing down there. So, you know, Matt, I mean, I think, you know, when you talked about, you know, and I think it's about our relationship or our perspective of ourselves, but, you know, when you talked about the woman at the well or, you know, even when Jesus was clearing out the temple, I mean, he saw something that was in the temple that shouldn't have been in that holy place. And, you know, so as you're sharing, I was thinking, you know, the question is, is this, um, what does Jesus see in you that nobody else sees, right? And so, um, and the fact that he does see it, you know, what does that mean? How does that change our perspective of other people? How does that change our perspective of ourselves and wanting to change those things, but also needing people to help us change those things? Yeah, Jim, that, that, that question, what does Jesus see in your life that no one else sees? That's the question we don't want anyone else to know. <laughs> we don't, want, we don't, we don't want, want them to have the, the answer. You know right. We don't, want, we don't want that answer to ever be revealed. So, But that's what being relational is about, right? And that's when freedom is going to be going to come about, right? And that's when we that's when we lean more into the Holy Spirit is when we mm -hmm. show those things. I mean, now, mind you, of course, we got to have people around us that, that's helping us. But you're not the one that selects those people. You, yeah. you know, coming to the church, the Lord gives us a family of people that helps us grow and people that love us. And so that becomes the measuring stick is how much are you loving your community that's around you, the people that God just placed around you and just freely showing love to them because you've been freely given love. I love talking about when we thinking about generosity to think that Christians should be able to over and abundantly love people because we've received and we recognize we've received so much love. So we should be able to freely give this without, you know, worrying about being hurt and the like because we know we have our comfort and the light coming from the Lord that's, that's loved us. So, yeah. And what if uh, it's interesting because I, cause I understand exactly what you're saying, Phil. And sometimes I wonder though, when Jesus looks at me, what if the things that he sees, so those deep things are actually the good that we so neglect? Because what I, I agree when I think that Jesus looks into the dark, like to the deep recesses of Matt Farlow, I think that, oh my gosh, I don't want anyone else to see that only him. And sometimes I wonder though, he says, no, no, I'm looking into the deep recesses of who you are, of who you're to become, because there's such goodness there. Whereas you all think 
that when God looks at you, he sees your sin because that's all you see within your, you know, when you look in the mirror, most of us look in the mirror. And again, I, I've said this before, I tell my first year theology students, hey, you need to get to a point, you know, and you need to do this without your roommates and everything because they're going to think you're kind of crazy. But when you can stare at yourself in the mirror after the shower, fully naked and go, gosh, darn it, God, you did a good job, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, like, you're right. I am good. At the very end of that day of creation, you saw me and you said, he is good, you know, and uh, uh, but we, I think we're like, oh my gosh, I don't want it. Like, even if no one is in the room, we're like, no, I don't like this. And then, you know, this aspect of me. And then within me, if you only knew, and it's like, only knew what God didn't make any mistakes. And I think it's so hard because you're right, Jim, going back to something else, like even with single parents or with the decisions, we tend to go, oh, you made a bad decision. Right. Yet. I think if we had the church of Jesus Christ, honestly, like he would not balk at uh, two men who are wanting to be embraced and then help need help with their their two-year-old because they've adopted this two-year-old and they are in a loving relationship. Most of the people in the church would be like, oh, uh, you know, let's point out some other aspects of your relationship between you two before we even worry about the kid and loving on you and the kid. We step into these things in, in more of a corrective view a lot of times than in an embracing, you know, in a compassionate view. We tend to think we need to correct what's in front of us. And I think that's why Jesus was so resolute to say, yeah, but correct first that big old log in front of you and then worry about that little dust mite, you know, and the little speck that's over in your neighbor. Because when I come to you, it should be compassionately to embrace you. And yet so often I come to correct so that you might have the same view or perspective that I have, you know, if only everyone understood from my perspective. Yeah, I think, I think the hardest, one of the points you brought up was the hardest, the hardest thing is to love ourselves, to first embrace ourselves, And if we can't even get past that, how can we love and embrace the other? Because if we're so stuck on criticizing and tearing ourselves apart and trying to, you know, analyze and find things to fix, how can we look at someone else with nothing but compassion and love and, and grace? This grace that has been poured upon us, like have a little grace with yourself. Um, recognize like, hey, I am broken and I do need a savior but I have one, like he has come and he has died for me. And I can turn to him and be like, yeah, you know what? Every time I'm critiquing and tearing myself down, it's making him cry. Like he like, I was like my child, like, why don't you see me through how I see you? Like, why can't you see how wonderful and how beautiful you are? And that's, that's the perspective. And those are the eyes that we need to see other people and because we're made in his image and so are they so is you know everyone so the more that we can love ourselves and see ourselves from God's point of view then the better we can go out and love others and it's it starts with loving self and that I think is the hardest thing to do growing up through high school middle school, high school, college. I mean, I was, I don't know. We like to play pranks. We like to do a lot of just crazy, fun, wild stuff. And like, 
when my dad would find out about stuff like that, it'd be kind of like, okay, don't do that again. Right. I mean, he really wouldn't. I mean, there wasn't like, he, we, you know, I, he never, ever grounded us um, or anything like that. And I just thought, huh, that's kind of, you know, I mean, that, that was about it. But then um, in the summers when I go back to Hawaii, man, I hear stories about my dad when he was growing up. And I'm like thinking, dang, no wonder I didn't get scolded. No wonder I didn't get in trouble. I go, the guy was worse than I was. You know? And so I think sometimes, um, you know, and I, but I just think, you know, it's just knowing, right? I mean, it, it's part of the life path. It's part of that instead of, you know, say, you know, instead of him saying, oh, you shouldn't, you know, don't do that. I mean, I think there's certain things in life where you, know, you don't want to make bad mistakes, but for the most part, you know, um, my dad really didn't say anything. It just kind of allowed me to have life. Um, and maybe because he realized he survived that, that he's going to allow me to survive, you know, myself. But I think, you know, how, maybe it is, you know, it is looking about looking at ourselves, right? I mean, it is about just taking a look at our own self and, and instead of just trying to, I, you know, I guess maybe the log in our eye. Yeah. You know, it, you know, the whole plank eye thing. And I, this is kind of a conversation that continued could continue, and we are going to continue it. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to talk about so so this relational God who steps into our lives, incarnational, you know, so as to be uh, redemptive and and to reconcile us. And so those are big kind of concepts that we're going to talk about uh, to lead into in a couple of weeks. We're going to start uh, focusing on so this God, we talk about God of promises and fulfilled promises. But what does that mean? Like what promises are fulfilled and how does that relate to me? You know, the promises of uh, the Old Testament, some two, three, four, whatever time frame you want to old earth, old earth, new earth that you're on, but 2000, 5000 years ago, right? They're yesterday. How do those promises yesterday actually uh, become fulfilled in our life today, 21st century? Or what promises or what what hopes do we have to to cling to uh, to this God who says God is love that calls himself love, you know? So we're going to continue this. We totally appreciate for those of you who have joined us on Facebook. Let your friends know every Friday uh, from 10 to 11 Pacific Standard Time, we're going to continue to do this so that we can do exactly what we seek to do, to build relational bridges with Jesus and uh, through Jesus in contemporary culture. And it's this uncorking, right, to understand that we are limitless in Christ. But uh, do we embrace that? Uh, do we love the Lord our God so as to love ourselves so that the people that the Lord blesses us with, that we are around, we can truly love them as Christ loved us. So uh, we're stoked that you joined us this morning and excited to see what the Lord has uh, in store for us as we continue to move forward. So you want to know anything about New Wine, New Wineskins, go to our website, new-wineskins.org. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter or right here, if you're on our uh, Facebook page, just go right there and hit like. And then you can also go and subscribe to our newsletter there. We're also on YouTube. We're on YouTube, just forward slash New Wine, New Wineskins. We're on Twitter as well, NWNWS, New Wine, New Wineskins. And we're on Instagram. So there's a plenty of opportunities to, to get a hold of New Wine on social media, as well as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like, and you can hear New Wine all over the place. And then just step into this continual truth of we are relational beings and we are a community of people called to love the Lord our God so as to love our neighbor as ourselves. So again, on behalf of Jim and Phil and Kayla, I'm Matt. This has been another episode of New Wine and Cork. Until next Friday, we'll see you on the flip side. Have a good one.